please keep listening. We still yeah. love you. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're talking about overhyped and underhyped books published in 2023. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How's it going? Much better this week. Yay. Doing better. Good. (laughs) Doing, yeah, doing better. So hopefully I sound better. Yeah, I'm excited. I have prepped and researched and cross-referenced for this episode, and I think it's going to be fun. I do too. I have a really solid list. Some maybe I don't know controversial opinions. Ooh, same. You know, I don't. I don't really go out on a limb like that. But you know, <laughs> I think there'll be some conversation generated from this episode. I'm truly buzzing right now. I'm not kidding. I feel a little high. Like it's in the morning. <laughs> I've had nothing but coffee, but I'm so jazzed. I feel a little bit uh, intoxicated. I'm also high off the buzz of not getting run over this morning, was walking my daughter to school. And we have this very treacherous corner outside her school. And we were running across the street and we both fell in the middle of the road. And I thought for sure we were going to get creamed, but happily we both made it. (laughs) Oh, yes, I know. They, I I don't know, maybe you need to petition for some... City Hall. Some signs, a crosswalk. It's... It's really treacherous, and I'm laughing because we su- <laughs> we survived. But it's not the first time this has happened. This morning, when I told Renee when we first logged in, I said we almost got ran over. She goes again. <laughs> That's how often it happens. I but know. Anyway. And the last time you were very pregnant. Yeah, I was. I was nine months pregnant last time. I when you I fell. had an issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm high off life today, so I am gonna hop right in so we can get to the books. Okay. I have a loving lately. And if you are still holiday shopping, this is a wreck for you. My loving lately is a company called Bomb Designs. And I discovered them on Etsy when I was looking for gifts. And I don't want to say who I ordered for, but initially I was looking for a personalized candle. I was looking for a very specific saying. So I typed that into Etsy. And they didn't have it pre-made, but you could personalize. And I discovered they are a local company. They're right kind of in our neck of Chicagoland. So I was really excited to support local companies. I liked their candles so much, I ordered three more for other people. Oh, nice. So this is a nice hot tip for me. I think the prices are reasonable. It's what you'd pay full price at like a bath and body type thing. And of course, what I love, family-owned company. Shipping was super fast. Again, I live in the area, so I got I got the shipping notification like an hour later. I'm like, hello? <laughs> Are oh, you wow. here? Like, how did you know? And it was customized. So they do customized orders. Like, you can put whatever you want on a candle, but they also do have like five pages of candles with pre-made sayings on it. So if you don't have a particular thing you want to say, you could browse through their pre-made ones. And they have more than just candles. It's candles, ornaments, cheese boards. It's office supplies. I mean, the list goes on. I was very impressed with their selection. They're on Etsy, but they also have their own website. I was checking things out on their website. Right now, as we're recording, the candles are buy two, get one free, which I was like, you can't resist. I can't resist a deal. 
And, you know, I wanted to plug a local to me company in case you are still shopping. That is the company called Bomb Designs. Oh, that's a great one. And we'll link to it in our show notes, of course. Yes. Okay, good. Good. I um, sometimes forget to shop on Etsy. Mm -hmm. And that's a great idea. Great suggestion. Love that site. Okay. I am actually, I had to double check that I haven't already brought this. And I'm kind of surprised I haven't. But my loving lately today is my silk sleep eye mask Mm. for nighttime. Now, I'm really surprised I haven't brought this. And it's one of those things I use every night. So I guess I forgot about it. I get a pack of three. I will link to the exact pack. For a pack of three, three for about $8 on Amazon. Um, I've tried several different types of eye masks. I used to not even wear eye masks. I started about maybe a year or two ago. It helps me sleep so much better, so much better. So I have, through trial and error, have tried many different styles, and this is my favorite. They are soft. There's their cushioned feel. They are, yeah, they're probably about an, I don't know, I'm I'm bad with measurements, but between maybe around a half an inch thick. So they're not really thin, but they're not too thick. They stay in place all night. There's an adjustable band, which is really easy to adjust. It doesn't leave marks on my eyes or my hair. And it just say it stays on comfortably all night without moving through the night. It's just right there, same place when I wake up. I love these. I just reordered actually because one of my sons took one and I like to have I like to have a, an extra. So this was my silk sleep eye mask. I like that recommendation. I'm not an eye mask person. Mm. I don't know. I don't know why. I think it would freak me out to have something on my face at night, but Really? Yeah. I well, I I never used to be, but then you know, over the last gosh, I've had so many troubles with sleep over the last few years that Mm. I can't remember if somebody told me or if my research said try a sleep mask, but it's a game changer. I can't sleep without it because I don't know. I feel like like even though I, it, the blinds are closed, the curtains are closed, light still can filter. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. I, this just, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there's research behind it, but I'm it glad works that works for, me. for you though. <laughs> yeah. For me, I, it's a pass out situation. I just like <laughs> getting to bed and I would love to like enjoy my time and read and do all the things. I read like a page and then I'm like, good night. <laughs> but yes, good recommendation. My latest read. This is a book I loved, and I think I heard about it through TikTok. It's, I think, hyped on TikTok a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Foe by Ian Reed, and he might be a new auto-read author for me. I absolutely loved this book. The publisher calls this a psychological mind-bender. I could 100% agree with that. It's set in the near future, where a couple lives in a remote part of an unnamed country. They live on a farm and they don't get visitors. They've never gotten visitors, but they're comfortable. Even though they're a little bit isolated, they're comfortable. They're happy together. They live far from the city, but close to each other. Then one day, a stranger arrives from the city to their farm and he knocks on their door. And they're like, what's going on here? And they he has alarming news. The husband named Junior is randomly selected to travel far away from the farm, very far away, 
And the stranger from the city keeps talking about how great of an opportunity this is. It's the government. They're, you know, piloting something. A lot of people would kill to be a part of this. So he should be very excited that he was chosen. Problem is, his wife, Henrietta, does not get to go. So the two have to grapple with what this means for them, what this means for their relationship. How long will he be gone? Is she going to wait for him? And last week, we spoke about synopses given away too much. And I'm going to leave my description there because I think the synopsis gives a little too much away because there's a reveal in it that I didn't know was coming. And I was like, what? So just trust me on this. If you like what I've said so far, jump right in. And again, I can't remember specifically what someone said to make me add this to my list, but I think it was hyped and I'm so glad I didn't know much going in. I did the audio and it was one of those books that hooked me from truly the first page. And I love that. It rarely happens, but I was so confused. I was like, wait, what's going on here? Where are we set? And what he does so well is he gives you just enough to make the reader question like, what year is this? Where are we set? What's there? You know, what's going on? But you're not confused. You're not lost. You're just curious. And I love that. I really wanted to see what was going on. I wanted my questions answered. So he did a great job in building the suspense and getting me to care. And I had my suspicions about what was up and I found myself glued to the page. This is my favorite kind of book. The writing is clear, but it's thought-provoking, a little bit suspenseful. And ultimately, it made me think about humanity and morality and long-term relationships. And it also had one of my very specific Subtropes that I love where a visitor overstays their welcome. <laughs> you had <have> that <laughs> element too. And read this. If you read this, come chat with me when you finish. I think it's one of those you'll want to chat with someone about. I, when I finished, went running downstairs to talk to my husband like t- about the ending because <laughs> I know he won't read it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what happened. How crazy, which is the sign of a great reading experience for me. And I just saw when I was doing my script, it's been made into a movie, which I had no idea. It makes sense now looking at the cover. It does look like a movie cover. I want to check that out. I loved it. Five stars from me. This was Faux by Ian Reid. Oh, okay. That was such a good review. Yeah, you had me. I know I've I've seen this cover and I know the title, but I didn't know anything about it. I loved it. And it's not graphic. So if you are somebody that's more of a sensitive reader and you don't like gore, it's not graphic. It's just tricky and thought-provoking. It's psychological. It's mostly psychological. I love that. I love the sound of that. Okay. My latest read today, oh gosh, I'm so surprised that I forgot to bring this to the show before. It was on my long list of underhyped. And then I was like, wait, I have not brought this Ooh, to the main show. I like that. So yeah, I needed I needed to get this out there. It's The Vanishing Hour by Serafina Nova Glass. Mm. And you, Tina, have heard about it and our patrons have heard about it because I did bring this as one of my picks for our Scandals and Revenge criminally booked episode in August. But I need to bring this to the main show. So I was so excited to get this book. The publisher sent it to me. Um, I had previously loved her book, Such a Good Wife. Um, And when this one came along, I was like, oh, yes. Now, the, the cover lends itself to summer reading, but I don't think you have to read it in the summer. This one is about Grace Holloway, who kind of keeps to herself. She's an introvert. She's been through a lot. And it turns out she keeps to herself mainly because she had narrowly escaped death at the hands of the man who kidnapped her many years ago. 
And today, she is throwing herself into the small inn she runs in Rock Harbor, Maine. It's quiet, it's quaint, and in the off-season, it's completely isolated, which is the perfect place for Grace to keep her own secrets. But Grace isn't the only one with something to hide, and Rock Harbor isn't just a sleepy vacation town. Someone is taking young women again, girls who look an awful lot like Grace did when she was kidnapped many years before. So with this sudden surge of disappearance brings the investigation to Grace's door, and she unwillingly becomes the center of it all. Because Grace knows something, something that could change everything. All right, so in my notes I have, this is a perfect popcorn thriller, although it is character-driven as well. I wouldn't call this like potato chip popcorn reading. There, there's definite substance <laughs> to this story. And I want to mention the other characters who are also central to this story. There is Kira Everett. She is the mother of the most recent missing girl, and she is desperate to find her daughter. And she will go to extreme lengths to help investigate her disappearance. Then we have Aiden Coleman, and he is a widower and single dad, and he is the son of the most recent missing man, who is 73-year-old Martin Coleman. Now, Aiden is an interesting character. He is has a very complicated relationship with his distraught mother and his needy brother, and due to a complicated family relationship— he decides he doesn't want to stay with his family when he comes home to help try to find his dad. So he stays at the inn where Grace is the manager. And so that's how they cross paths. What worked so well for me in this story was the alternating perspectives. Plus, there is plenty of potential suspects and questions as to who's telling the truth, who's keeping secret, how are all these elements combined? All of this together created a binge read for me. I enjoyed this one start to finish. And I do I do want to say, yes, there was a few over-the-top, potentially eye-rolling happenings. But remember, this is a popcorn thriller. And for me, I'm, I'm okay. I can expect that in a popcorn thriller. I found the ending to be satisfying and pretty surprising. So this one was The Vanishing Hour by Serafina Nova Glass. Good review. You tempted me then. And again, now I love what you said. It's a popcorn throw, but not potato chip. It's got a yeah. little bit of pe- protein in it, a little bit of exactly. substance. You know, it's not total. Exactly. Fun. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, I really do feel like she is an under-the-radar author. Yeah. I'm not sure why. If you like thrillers, but you don't want the gore necessarily, this would be good. And if you like mysteries that are faster paced, then you would like this too. So I I, I just feel like it has wide appeal. Yeah. I was just going to say wide appeal. Mm-hmm. Oh, get out of my head. <laughs> Let's talk about book hype today. We did this episode last year. It was one of our favorite episodes to produce one of your favorite episodes based on downloads, because I too love to hear what books did you think were overhyped? What books did you think were underhyped? And, you know, a part of going through the process of researching for this episode, I know you did this too. One of the things that I looked at was we're looking at specifically books that were published this year in the year 2023. 
So I looked and I was curious how many books I read that were published this year. I have read out of the 111 books I've read so far this year, 69 were published this year. So that's 62%, pretty much what I expected. I compared it to last year. Last year, I rounded out the year by reading 150 books, which was crazy. And 89 of those were published in year 2022, which is 59%. So I'm pretty close. I'm pretty on track. About 60% of my reads are going to be in the year that they were published. Okay. I bet your numbers look different. (laughs) I do. And actually, I did not check last year's darn. But I know... I know that I I read more new releases last year. I just don't have the figure. And I actually knew before I even looked at my statistics that I was reading less new releases this year. It, and that is actually true. So of the 123 books I've currently read this year, 53 are 2023 releases. That's 43% of my reading. And that feels right because I knew yep. I had read more backlists this year, but I really didn't realize that uh, over half of my reading this year is backlist. That mm-hmm. feels high, right? No. Well, I think me, if you were to ask me, I would have said that about your okay. reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that, because tr- I know when we do our easily distracted by new releases episodes, you're sometimes like, oh, I tried a lot, didn't care for them. So that feels yeah. right with what works for you. Right. I, I did a little added statistic, which was, okay, so of the 53 new release books that I've read, 39 of them, I've given a 3.25 or higher. So that's 73% success rate, which I consider 3.25 or higher, pretty successful. Like I'd rec, and I I say 3.25 because a lot of the new release, well, the other new releases were were three star or lower. And I probably wouldn't necessarily recommend those. So I guess I feel like that's that's pretty good. That tells me that the ones I end up sticking with, I like for the most part. Mm-hmm. That make, That's interesting. I'm such a generous reader. I really am. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, three, two, five. You hated it. No. <laughs> and I, and I, I, you are, I do think you are correct. I do think if you're looking at rating, and this is like a whole other topic, if we're looking at star ratings, I think you do it the right way because three stars is not a bad book. You, It was all right. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed fine. it. It was fine. Me, I'm like, oh. Like, I just, I'm skewed, right? I'm just too tenderhearted. I don't know what it is, but... Oh, that's funny. I was looking at some of my uh, books that did work for me, and we were, I was trying to figure out, all right, where does my hype come from? Where am I getting book hype from? Last year, I think we said, what, Goodreads, mm-hmm. Bookstagram, mm-hmm. and there was another source. Celebrity book clubs. Celebrity and book then, clubs. And we did mention... Um, the New York Times bestseller list. Yes. This year, when you asked where do you get your hyped books, the very first two places I thought were TikTok and our own Discord group. <laughs> I get oh, okay. A lot of good recommendations. Like if I see a book come up a couple of different times in our Discord, I'm like, okay, you know, let me let me give it a shot. So I that's just been really a fun and kind of personalized thing. Because I've had a few winners from our Discord, particularly Go as a River most recently and like others that I know people were talking about. I'm like, wow, I'm glad they were mentioning it because it made me want to grab it. Okay. Let me ask you this quick question. Last year you mentioned, I only know this because I went back and listened to our episode, but you mentioned last year that you saw a lot on TikTok, but you you felt like those weren't new releases. Has that changed this year and you're seeing more new releases? No, you're right. I don't. That's a great point. And I'm glad that you brought that up because 
the ones that I read from TikTok that were hyped are backlist. Oh, okay. So still and the those same. work for me. Yeah. Okay. I've seen I don't see a lot of I'm one of the people I think on TikTok that hypes new releases and talks a lot about the books that are coming out. I don't see it as much there. I see that more on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what okay. that means, but Okay. Where does your hype come from? Well, this also fits with how I feel like my reading has went this year and I am not paying that much attention to hyped books this year. Uh-huh. I've almost feel like I've almost shied away from the overly hyped books and just decided not to read a lot of them because there's maybe, I don't know what my reasoning is. I feel like I subconsciously think, or everyone's talking about that. I'm not going to read it for whatever reason. But I think probably my number one place for hyped books would probably still be Bookstagram. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where I see a lot of books repeated, a lot of new releases that end up being featured a lot on Bookstagram, where then, you you know, I kind of have to go see, did, did, are people actually reading this or are they just featuring it? And a lot of times right. it, is, it is being featured. Something else, a source for me this year, is a bit more direct from the publishers to my email. Like marketing. Oh, oh I've my had gosh. more. Yeah, I've had more yes. of that this year. Where so a lot of times I think that pre-publication hype happens for us. I mean, mm-hmm. you get the book mail. I don't really get book mail, but I do get a lot of ebooks sent to my yeah. email where they're um, marketing the books that way. That's a great point, and that is another huge source for me is the publishers themselves. They contact us. I'm on some lists. They send emails, and yeah. That is a because the hope is right that you and I are people that are going to start to help create some of the book buzz. That is a big source for us. Sometimes it can be overwhelming, not in a bad way, but in a wow, this is an embarrassment of riches kind of way. Like there are Mm -hmm. so many titles to choose from, but it definitely is a way to get some titles on our radar is book mail or book email. Right, exactly. One place that I have not spent a lot of time this year that is different for me is Goodreads. Yeah. So that's same. not that's mm-hmm. not been a um a book hype destination for me. I haven't yeah. really spent much You're time. You're off Goodreads. Well, I'm still on there, but uh-huh. I don't add I'm not adding my books there anymore. Yeah. And that's another conversation I think where you and I, I think we're gonna do an end of the year book talk after dark and I'll probably yeah. dig into my reasons for that a little bit more. And because I do want to examine like for me, my own, like, how, that's not helping authors if you aren't putting the books on Goodreads. But I, yeah, I, I made that decision this year. Yes, I could go on about this because I was reading this thread about how if you put a book at three stars, it kind of hurts the author because people see that and think, oh, three stars is not good. And I was seeing some other folks talk about online, like, it's not my job to lie and inflate my ratings to sell books. And like, it's just such an interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. I think I get, I'm guilty of, I'll always share my opinion. I like nuance, right? So that's why I struggle with star ratings always is because I know that a lot of people think three stars is not good. So if I'm on the bubble, if I'm like, "Eh, it was good, it was fine. I'd give it four versus going defaulting as three as like an okay. okay. Mm -hmm. Because three for me is like, "Mm, it was fine. A lot of my overhyped books today, I rated three stars. 
Interesting. Which is not great for me. Yeah. I think I probably did too, actually. I'll take a closer look. I know for a fact I did give a couple of mine three and my number one overhyped book, I gave a 2.5. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) But yeah. So this is such a hard topic to really nail down. Like where does hype come from? Mm -hmm. But I do think if we're looking at marketing and publishing dollars. I mean, we don't have the ins and outs for all of that, but we do kind of have a good feel for the books that come along that maybe we know have been offered. There's a lot of blog tours. There's maybe a lot of review copies for advanced readers or whatever. There's a lot of giveaways. Maybe those are being hyped. There's author tours. And I want to know what you think about this. Mm -hmm. What about when the author, him or herself, is marketing that book? What do you think? How do you feel about... Because that is... You mentioned that before on the show. Authors are being pushed or encouraged Mm -hmm. to help promote their books. Mm -hmm. That does impact hype, right? Yeah. When you say promote, do you mean on their own socials or do you mean... How do I feel about them coming into my DMs and oh. <laughs> promoing books? Okay, well, you can answer both. I was okay. <laughs> I was meaning, yeah, on social media, which and that would probably include any other type of interaction that they would choose to have with people out there reading their books or promoting their books. Yeah. I think if authors want to promote their books on their own social media, absolutely, a hundred thousand percent. I'm with you. Like, yes, let's promote our own content. We worked super hard and, and you know, you put a lot of work into your book. Absolutely. I want to know the pre-order. I want to know the cover. I want to know everything. I don't think that should be the only support they get from their publisher. I think it's a mm-hmm. really hard thing for the authors because that's not their skill set. Not always their skill set. They're writers first. And like, maybe they can also market their book, but that's not what they probably enjoy and want to spend the most of their time doing. I imagine they want to be writing or talking to readers and maybe engaging in other ways. I have to be honest, I don't like when authors reach out to me directly, particularly via DM. I don't really answer them at this point unless it's a really, really specific good pitch. Not that I feel like I need to be pitched to But like, there's just no way. I don't have capacity to respond Mm -hmm. to all the requests, particularly on TikTok. Every day I get somebody, a new author messaging me, 99% of them are men, white men, which, you know, (laughs) fair enough. Hey, shoot your shot. But like, I guess for authors, I think it's okay to ask, but like also understand we get inundated. Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. And like, I can't possibly accept all of them. I do on occasion, though, if an author promotes their own book to me and asks me if I want a copy, if they just say, hey, do you want a copy? I might accept, especially if it's something that aligns with my interest. I will not accept it if they're like, and and feature it on your social for review. I I can't because I can't Mm -hmm. guarantee reviews for anything. I don't know. Where do you sit with that? Yeah, I I feel, I don't, well, I mean, you and I together get a, a pro. I mean, we get a lot of the emails that we can't respond to as far as pitch, you know, being pitched and all of that. So I understand where they're coming from. I think it's unfair to expect authors to have to promote their books on their yeah. own social media, which I really think we've heard enough from publishers as far as like behind the scenes, they are expected to do that. And I think. Those who can do it well, I think it helps create hype and buzz for their books. But those who don't want to do it or just don't feel comfortable doing it, 
I think it's I think it's a disadvantage for them. And I don't think their books often get as much hype unless there's significant publishing marketing dollars behind it. And that's I think that's not all that often. I'm thinking about some of my underhyped books and the fact that I don't see those authors on social media, a few of them. I don't mm. see them. And I'm wondering if that has impacted the fact that their books, in my opinion, are underhyped, which mm. I'm just, they're not books I see around everywhere, although I think they're really good books. And I feel, I feel bad. For, yeah, I feel bad because like you said, if they're writers first and foremost, what if they don't want to spend time on social right. media? And I feel bad. I don't think the onus should be on them. I don't, but I think it's expected these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hype is usually a positive if a book can catch on in yeah. any of the places. Hype usually helps sell a book. I was like, okay, what's a negative? of hype. And I think a negative can be that when a book becomes so hyped, spoilers can start to leak. Mm. Like people can start to talk about the book so much. And we know some people, some or some places where books are reviewed, too much information is given away. And then that could potentially turn people off who think, I re- okay, well, I already know what happens in this book. I'm not even going to read it. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's a double-edged sword sometimes. I think because people are going to be turned away from it, they're going to be like, like you said, even like sometimes if a book's too buzzy, let me wait for some of the hype to die down and see if there's staying power. Well, you didn't say those exact words, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, I think, yeah, that's kind of some of the intention. I think overall, probably for authors, it's a net positive because they are selling more books. Like I would think they would rather be a hyped book that has some people loving it, some people being dissenters versus just having an under-the-radar book that people love but no one knows about. Mm, yeah. With the hype comes high expectations, I it think. It does. A hundred And if, though, if okay. sometimes that those expectations are not met for a lot of people where word of mouth then starts to circulate, that, you know, then the hype can go down really quickly. Yeah. It's fascinating. And I do think mm-hmm. there's many different types of hype. Like I think things that are hyped in one platform are not hyped in others. Like Goodreads has its own thing. Instagram, books, booktube, probably. I'm not over there. TikTok, like things get hyped in different spheres. Right. You don't off, it's not very often where I see a book transverse all platforms, conversations. Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros mm-hmm. is an example of one this year that I think everybody was talking about regardless of where they spend time online talking about books. But I do think there's different spheres for that. Right. That is the book I was talking with you about that I mentioned. I am very, very hesitant to even try it because I I either am in my partly thinking, well, if I DNF it, I guess nobody would necessarily know. But if I read it and don't like it, I'm going to feel, you know, I'm going to feel like the only one. Yeah. You're (laughs) definitely not the only one. It's such a beloved book that it's kind of, yeah, you don't want to be the one to say, eh, I didn't like it. Yeah. So well, yeah, I'm, I just haven't tried it. I haven't yeah. really even tried it yet. Well, let's get into our book list. We are listing five books that we thought were overhyped, listing five books that we thought were underhyped. And please, if you like it, we love it for you. Like, we don't want to make you feel bad about enjoying books that you love. Like, we want people to like what they like. But I think we have constructive things to say. I don't mind if people don't like my recommendations 
But I want to hear constructive criticism, not, are you serious? Or you're so <laughs> wrong for this. Like, okay, <laughs> like I don't know what to tell you. It's subjective. And I like book conversation. So think of this as a book conversation. Of course, as always, we invite you to interact with us on social media or email or wherever. Right. I right. think we're going to start with the overhyped books. Yes? Yes. All right. I'm going to come out swinging. Oh, boy. Okay. Number, and, and I'm kind of going, I don't know. I, I have a little bit of an order, but the first one I want to talk about is None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. And this was a nominee for the best mystery and thriller for Goodreads. I'm really going to beat up on that category today because uh, four of my five were nominees on that list. And I think they were overhyped. None of This is True is about a woman who finds herself the subject of her own popular true crime podcast. There were elements of this that I loved. The setup was great. I was curious. The characters were interesting. I like a podcast. I'm almost over that trope, but not quite. The audio was excellent. And I've talked about this on the show. My big beef with it was that there was a kind of a a trope or a decision, a choice the author made that was whack. (laughs) It was not (laughs) fair. And the reason that I, I take this strong stance is because things like this happen in real life. And I feel like one of the characters was painted with a good brush and they didn't deserve that. I've had a lot of people message me about like, hey, what was your issue with this book? I invite you to do that again. I'm happy to talk. I'm trying to be vague, of course, to avoid spoilers. But I thought, gosh, this had such potential. You're such a smart and experienced author. Why did you do that? Like you could have easily tweaked it to make it less weird. However, I would love love to recommend Lisa Jewell's other books. I Found You and The Night She Disappeared are my favorite. She's one of my favorite authors. I just thought, uh, I don't know why you did this particular choice and I can't get behind it. So that's my first overhyped book. This one actually won second place in the best mystery and thriller. And that is None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. All right. Okay. My fifth book, which I do want to to second what you said, Tina, and this is strictly our opinions, strictly our opinions. And I know this one is is very loved, but my fifth overhyped book is Shark Heart by Emily Habick. And this is a debut novel about newlyweds Wren and her husband, Lewis. And Lewis, over the course of nine months, will transform into a great white shark. This book was hyped on Goodreads. It was nominated for Best Fiction of the Year and Debut Book of the Year. It was also very hyped on Bookstagram. And while I know there was a lot of love for this book, it just did not work for me. I just found that I wasn't interested in most of the story. It was just a little too out there for me. And then the audio, which was the way I um, quote-unquote read the book, the audio, I did not find the audio narration to be very good at all. And so that impacted it. I believe that was the only format I had at the time. So yeah, for me, the story just did not work. It's Shark Heart by Emily Habick. Yeah, and I unfortunately agree. We were two dissenters on this one. And, and, mm-hmm. and again, this worked for a lot of readers, and I'm really glad for that because it is it was unique, and I appreciate it for that. I also, I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get yeah. the hype, I guess. Ugh. No, I, I think you and I were in agreement on that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another one that I think a lot of people really enjoyed that I was just like, eh, it was all right. It was I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. A piece of me, this is my fault. I loved her book, The Great Believers, so much that I was like so excited. I was trying to temper my expectations because I know by now, hey, 
you know, just because you loved one book doesn't mean you'll love all of them. This is about a podcaster who goes back to the school she graduated from to teach a course and ends up investigating a possible wrongful death. There's boarding school drama. There's a whodunit. Gosh, this should have worked. And I remember reading and, and I did a combo read and listen. And I thought, I like a lot about this. Are we going to get to the point anytime soon? It felt like it circled a lot. The plots mm-hmm. kept circling, like land the plane. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> What's happening? It was overly long and I didn't love the payoff. I can't say why again because of spoilers, but there was something I kept wanting more of. And I ultimately walked away unsatisfied. I, I this just wasn't my my thing. But that was I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. Okay. I actually did not, wasn't sure that would be on your list. So mm-hmm. that's also my number four. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. It's us. totally my number we four. Never. We, we never do that. I'm, I'm excited for this. Okay. Yeah. Tell me why. Well, it's, I actually agree with everything you said. And I will, I'm going to toss in a different book. I'm going to go, I'll bring in my runner up that, um, but, I found this to be so boring, so boring. I'm so I just did this. It really yeah. wasn't for me. I am surprised it was a nominee for best mystery thriller me of the too. year. I don't think it was a thriller. No. I think they need to separate that category. I do too. I really there's do. A marked difference between the two, and this was not thrilling, nor really that mysterious in the end. Yeah, not in yeah. the ending, but like mm-hmm. just I was like, eh, yeah. I remember she brought up a lot of interesting subplots that she could have taken and run with, but like there were too many. I'm like, pick a lane and like really deep drill down on that versus Mm -hmm. like this and this and this and this and this. Okay, there's a lot going on here. I don't know. Not to beat up on it. Yeah. Well, I I just, I agree. So let me go, let me bring in my um, runner up. So I will go with Trust by Hernan Diaz. And this this is an interesting one because I didn't bring this to the show because I got about 55% in the book and DNF'd it. I was and, and I was like, wait, I don't remember you bringing it. But no, yeah, I brought okay, it to our, I brought it to our DNF one of our mm-hmm. DNF episodes and when I say 55%, I believe I was about over 7 hours. I I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I was quite far. I was at 55% into the book. And it just completely lost me. It had, it had shifted from an original storyline I was into to a completely different storyline, and it lost me. I found it really confusing, and it, it, I just ended up giving up on it. Now, the reason I think this was hyped is it made New York Times bestseller list. It won the Pulitzer Prize. Yep. A lot of people read this. A lot of people loved it. I know some of my trusted sources. I remember their reviews that said, you know, you need to stick with this, but I just couldn't. So I do think this was hyped, but maybe more in a literary way, mm. be some, you know, more of an award-winning type of hype. But like I said, it also made the New York Times bestseller list. So that was Trust by Hernan Diaz. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next is another nominee for Best Mystery and Thriller of 2023. (laughs) It was The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. And this was one of the last books I read in 2022, but it was published this year. And this is gothic suspense set in an Italian villa about two former best friends who take a high-end holiday to try and reconnect. And I just didn't like it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I thought it was convoluted. And you've got dual timelines in this. They, they It flashes back, and then you've got present day, and neither one of the point of views were that compelling to me. I remember thinking, like, when are they going to intersect? What Where, where are we going with this? And once they finally did, I I just was like, okay. I, it, very missable for me. I don't think this was quite memorable at all. I had to search. And I'm like, what was this even about? I know I read it. I remember that, <laughs> but I don't know anything about the plot. So this just was not the best for me. I think there's a lot better mysteries out there. I would try the author again, though. You know, I know she has a new one coming out early next year in 2024. So I'd read her again, but this one wasn't for me. I also want, you know, my beef. When it's set in an Italian villa or set in an African safari or set somewhere really cool, <laughs> give me some of that atmosphere. And I don't mm-hmm. know that we quite got that with this. That was The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. All right. My number three overhyped book is Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson. I almost put this on my list. I didn't even read it, <laughs> but I kept seeing it everywhere. I'm like, really? <laughs> I, th- I feel like this was an example of something that was very hyped pre-publication. There were big marketing dollars behind this and in a lot of pre-publication hype because the author is also a vice president and executive editor at Knopf Books. Oh, mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so this is her debut, and it is a debut of family, love, and class in this wealthy, people-behaving-badly novel that follows three women in one wealthy Brooklyn clan. Now, I'm bringing this, although... This was a DNF for me around the 40th percent mark. I feel like I read enough to bring it as an overhyped book. The main reason that I DNF this was that I was very bored. I didn't find the characters all that compelling. I didn't feel that the story was interesting enough to keep going. I mean, we, we've said it before. We like wealthy pe- people behaving badly, but I don't even think they were really behaving badly in this book. To me, I just didn't feel like there was enough going on. This book was hyped, like I said, pre-publication. It was hyped on Goodreads as a Best Fiction of the Year nominee. It was a New York Times bestseller, and it was a Good Morning of America monthly pick. So definitely hyped. I do think that maybe there was a lot of high expectations for this. And just based on on what I saw on Bookstagram, a lot of people didn't end up being that crazy about it, but that's only Bookstagram. So obviously in other places, it was very popular and people enjoyed it. So this one was Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson. All right. Next is The Coworker by Frieda McFadden. <laughs> and this was another nominee for Best Mystery and Thriller of 2023. The plot revolves around two polar opposite coworkers who share cubicles next to one another. One disappears and the other becomes obsessed with figuring out where she went. It was fine. It was all right. You know, I kept turning the pages. Uh, it was not particularly well-written in my opinion. And the author mentioned turtles at least 100 times. Not a joke. <laughs> I just thought, okay, I, I get it. The the One of the coworkers is quirky. We got it. Not my favorite. In fact, I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw in a, a honorable mention for The House Made Secret by mm-hmm. Frieda McFadden. That actually won Best Mystery and Thriller by a landslide. 
It was all right. I like the main character. I think those books are funny. They're fun. They're kind of popcorn to the extreme. This is potato chip popcorn. They're, <laughs> this they're, is they're like, like they're yeah. like highest sodium potato chip popcorn. Uh-huh. You're gonna want to keep reading. You're not gonna feel great about it, but you will keep reading. I mean, they're that's I think what I come to expect with this author. There are some of hers I really like. The housemaid. You know, there are some that I think are really fun. This one I just don't think. I think you can skip. For, for me. This was The Coworker by Frieda McFadden. Okay. Yeah, we both really like Never Lie, too. Yes. By her. Great book. Yes. Great mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay, get ready. My last two, I know people are going to disagree with me. Gird your loins. Remember, it's my opinion. I'm just, <laughs> I, I have to We still love it. you. Please, please keep listening. We still yeah. love you. <laughs> <laughs> this is, in, yeah, that's not, a, these are not bad books. They just weren't for me. Number two, overhyped for me, is Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. You're brave, girl. I agree, but I didn't want to say it. And I didn't not like this. This I get, This was what you were talking about, Tina. I gave this book three stars. I just feel, for me, it, it didn't warrant all the hype. For me, this was a darkly funny literary thriller about Athena Liu who was a literary darling, and her best friend, June Hayward, who is literally nobody. And what happens when Athena dies suddenly, and June decides to take her unfinished manuscript and publish it as her own? This book was hyped on Bookstagram, on Goodreads, where it won by a landslide best fiction of the year with over 200,000 votes. I saw that. Yeah, huge. It was a New York Times bestseller for several weeks, and it was a Reese uh, Witherspoon book club pick. I mean, this book is is hyped, and I see why. I can see why it was. It was clever. It was fun to read. It just, for me, didn't, you know, I just, it landed at three stars. That's the only reason. So it ended up on my list. Yeah, it's Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. Yeah, I agree. I liked it. I don't know if I had different expectations going in or not because it was very buzzed. This was not one that I got to early. I think that also changes when we read books before the big buzz comes. Mm -hmm. You know, that changes. I came in with huge expectations. I liked it. Very clever setup. Really, really clever. It was the ending for me that I was like, huh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I liked it. I just don't know that it was my, it, it certainly is not in my top 10 books for the year. I think yeah. I'm at about three stars as well, to be honest. Okay. Well. All right. My my number one most overhyped book of 2023 is Age of Vice by Deep T. Kapoor. This was a GMA book club pick. It was a book of the month pick. It was set in India. It's about a young man from a poor family who falls in with a powerful crime syndicate. There was a great introduction to this. I was hooked. There's, I think, five parts. I loved part one. I was in it. I was curious about it. I wanted to know what happens. And then it fell off a cliff halfway through. (laughs) I still remember. I read this in January. Part four, I was like, get me out of here. I was on vacation in Florida. That was the book I chose to read. I was loving it in the beginning, tabbing it. By the end, I'm like, get me out of here. I will not be continuing the series. And I was kind of disappointed because this was billed as her debut and it's not her debut. She has other books that were published Mm -hmm. before. I don't think it was poorly written. I just think maybe it wasn't my genre. I'm not big into crime fiction, like mafia, hardcore crime. I liked that it was set in India. I was enjoying getting to know some of the cultural aspects. The plot itself 
I was lost for a lot of it. A couple elements here and there kept me reading because I was curious enough, but not curious enough to want to continue the series. I could have DNF'd this and been a happy person. This was Age of Vice by Deep T. Kapoor. Okay. I remember your review now that you were talking about it. Yes. Gosh. Yeah. Not Mm -hmm. my, not my, not for me. Okay. My number one overhyped book is Tom Lake by Anne Patchett. Yeah. I was wondering. I'm coming. I know I'm coming in big. I, you will remember probably when I brought this to the show and I said, I know it's beloved. I know it. But for me, it didn't work. The story was about in the spring of 2020, where you have Laura and her three daughters who returned to the family's orchard in northern Michigan. And when they come back home, because it's, you know, in the midst, in the beginning of COVID, so the daughters come back home, they end up asking Laura to tell them stories about her past. And this ends up leading all the daughters to examine their own lives and relationship with their mother. This book was hyped, pre-publication hyped. I pre-ordered it from Parnassus Books, where um, Anne Patchett is the owner of Parnassus Books. I, I wanted a copy of this book with her signature. She is such a lovely person. It was hyped on Goodreads as one of the top nominees for Best Fiction of the Year. It spent many weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, and it was also a Reese's Book Club pick, as well as being very hyped on Bookstagram. Yeah, it just didn't work for me. Again, I don't have an interest in theater. Our t- I did go ahead and read Our Town before I read this because I wanted to be familiar with that play because the play is referenced so much. I liked out the Our Town play better than I liked this book. I just was not... I, I'm going to say bored again. I'm so, I'm so, I, don't, I don't know any other way to describe how I felt reading it other than like I was bored. I wasn't compelled to stay in with uh, Laura's stories of her past, although I found they, some of those were interesting, but I just wasn't overall interested in the story. So that was Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. Fair enough. I was wondering if that was going to make your list. All right. Yes. Well, let's get into some. That was fun, actually. Let's get into though <laughs> some of a uh, silver linings, bright side. We love talking about underhyped books. I love talking about under the radar books, and you've heard us talk about all of these on the show before. But I think it's nice to have a, a list of books that we want to recommend again in case they were not on your radar or didn't make the list the first time. My first pick is Wednesdays at One by Sandra A. Miller, and it's got four hundred Goodreads ratings. This is about a psychologist whose life changes when an unscheduled patient starts showing up at his practice every Wednesday at one with knowledge about a horrible mistake from his past. I'm not going to say that this is a book for everybody. I think it had a three, six rating or so. I can see why people wouldn't like it. Particularly you, Renee, you were critiquing The Year of the Locust by Terry Hayes about how it kind of dabbles into things that you wouldn't expect from that genre. It's Mm -hmm. like a little bit of a genre bend. I'm here to say this is a little bit of a genre bend. It's not a thriller at all. I would call it, I don't even know if I'd say psychological suspense. It's, it's, it's family drama, maybe whatever genre you want. I was captivated by the writing and the mystery was just enough. I was so curious about this woman 
And if you can just trust me and go where the plot takes you, I found this to be insightful, reflective, and ultimately very satisfying. I thought for sure this author was a psychologist. I'm like, no way can she write about the therapy process so well without having some training. I looked and her husband's a psychologist and she's an author and Mm -hmm. she consulted with him a lot. And you can absolutely tell if you like books with psychologists in it or a psychology tie-in, that aspect was really, really well done. I love this book, but I'm smiling because I know some people are going to want to throw it across the room when they finish, but that's okay. Sometimes that's a fun (laughs) reading experience. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of good to be had here. Even if you don't quite love where it goes, this was Wednesdays at One by Sandra A. Miller. Okay, I will start with my number five underhyped book, and that is Moby Dyke, An Obsessive Quest to Track Down the Last Remaining Lesbian Bars in America by Krista Burton. This was the um, nonfiction kind of memoir, but non nonfiction, where Krista investigates the disappearance of America's lesbian bars by visiting the last few in existence. She takes a fun, informative road trip to about 20 different lesbian bars across the country. This has 609 ratings on Goodreads. Other than me, I truly don't, I can't say that I've seen anyone else reviewing this or heard anyone else reviewing this. And I think that is a shame because if you like a road trip book, if you like books that combine coming of age with entertainment, with community, and just Gosh, I I can't describe funny, insightful. That this book has all of that. Krista is a great writer. It is compelling writing, but also very personable. Like sitting down and having coffee with a friend and hearing about their um, entertaining stories about traveling to different lesbian bars across the country. I learned a lot. This was just such a great book, and I would hope that maybe some other people decide to pick it up. It's Moby Dyke, an obsessive quest to track down the last remaining lesbian bars in America by Krista Burton. All right. Next for me is Farrell Covington and the Limits of Style by Paul Rudnick. This one has 1,111 reviews on Goodreads. And this is described as a life-affirming novel following the decades-long rule-breaking romance between the son of one of America's wealthiest families and a middle-class aspiring author. This book had me on the... I laughed out loud. Don't often say that. It's raunchy, but not always. (laughs) It's got its elements. And I love that it was a gay love story that spans generations. So many books that I've read that feature same-sex couples are deeply, deeply sad. This has sad elements. Don't get me wrong. But I love that we get to see them together throughout decades, through the highs, the lows, the are, will they, the won't they, through illness, through everything. It was such a good story. Farrell Covington had my heart. He was funny. I just, I was charmed by this fictional person. <laughs> and I also love that you get to see moments in history, such as the AIDS epidemic through the eyes of these characters. And it was fun to watch them come of age. It's in New York. If you like theater, there's an element of that. I just, I thought this was excellent. I want to see more people talking about it. It was Farrell Covington and the Limits of Style by Paul Rudnick. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, this this is another episode that when you are talking about certain books and I am again like, Oh, how can I find time to read some of these? <laughs> I, that's my favorite when I tempt Renee with a book that I've read. 
Yeah, there's, well, there's a lot. I just don't know when I'm going to get, I got to squeeze them in between now and January 1st. Okay. My fourth underhyped book is An Honest Man by Michael Carita. And I brought this to the show in early in the fall. This was the story about the mystery about the abandoned yacht that is found. And aboard that yacht is seven murdered men. Included in that seven is two Senate rivals. And the main character in this book is Israel Pike. And he has been released from prison. He's trying to start over. And he's also regarded as the prime suspect in these murders. Israel is a troubled man who is infamous on Salvation Point Island for killing his own father a decade before. And now Israel has few options, no friends, and a life-threatening secret. Oh, this book is so layered. So like such an intricately plotted, complex mystery. There are 1,813 Goodreads ratings, which is very low. And this was what I was talking about before with an established author who I feel does not have the marketing behind him that he should. I also don't believe he's very active or present that I've seen very much on social media. I don't know if that has an an impact, but I definitely think this book in particular should have been better marketed because if you like mysteries, if you like literary suspense books, especially with more than one character who is narrating and really interesting side characters, you would like this book. It's surprising. It is fast-paced. And it is also has some of those literary sentences that you just want to highlight and remember. So this was An Honest Man by Michael Carita. That is an author I need to add to my list because you just tempt me. He's got, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it kind of reminds me of the neon lawyer author. What's his name? Yes, Victor Mythos. Yeah. Are they similar? Well, I think Victor Mythos writes faster paced thrillers okay. uh-huh. like, and they his tend to be shorter and he writes at a higher volume. Yeah. He's got, he's got a, a lot. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of books. I don't know that I don't think Michael Carita is a lawyer. Victor Mythos is a lawyer in real life and st- mm-hmm. uh, still a practicing attorney. I don't I can't remember right off what Michael Carita's background is, but like I was saying, he's an established author. I don't think he gets the marketing dollars, yeah. and I don't know why. You are the it, only one that I hear talk about him. I know. I, I, I feel like I might be one of the only ones. I know I'm not, but I feel like I am. The reason I think he is so underhyped, too, is because he writes very, very similar to Don Winslow and Dennis Lehane, and they are super popular. And I think mm-hmm. he deserves to be in the conversation when you're talking about authors like them. Yeah, 100%. Good. See, this is why we do this. Mm -hmm. All right. Next for me is What the Dead Know, Learning About Life as a New York City Death Investigator by Barbara Butcher. This has good ratings. It's over 4.0. It's 4.17 on Goodreads, and it's got 2,331. And uh, I just loved this book. It's about the second woman ever hired for the role as a death investigator in Manhattan. 
So she talks about her career. She talks about the trials that she went through and how freaking tough this career is. However, she also speaks to people who are largely marginalized in this particular story with such compassion. Like there's people that, you know, overdose. There's people that had, you know, they died with no family around them. And she just speaks about death in a compassionate and raw way. This book is gritty, though. I mean, it is very dark and kind of morbid. So just know that going in. But I think if you're interested at all in forensic or forensic work, it's a must read for people. It's fascinating. I was just riveted. I did the audio she narrates. It's kind of a bit of a memoir, too. So it's not just didactic and talking about, you know, being a death investigator. She also talks about her experiences. Two comps for this are Working Stiff by Judy Melanick. I loved that book. I read it years ago, and they know each other working professionally, so that was a fun nod. I saw, like, Barbara Butcher mentioned her in her book. I was like, oh, I know that author. And Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers by Mary Roach. I think if you're interested in humanity or or forensics at all, this is one you got to add to your list. It's What the Dead Know, Learning About Life as a New York City Death Investigator by Barbara Butcher. Okay. All right. My third underhyped book is A Flaw in the Design by Nathan Oates. This was published way back in March, which is when I brought it to the show. Um, This was about a professor's life, which is turned upside down when he takes in his charming, wildly dangerous nephew, whose wealthy parents have just died under mysterious circumstances. This was a fun intricate, twisty, psychological thriller. I thought it was highly entertaining. There are only 1,408 ratings on Goodreads. For a book that was published in the spring, I feel like that's still pretty low. Yeah, I think that it was underhyped too, perhaps because of a lack of marketing. But if you like psychological thrillers and you especially like when family is involved with other family members who are sociopaths, then I think you would like this. It's a flaw in the design by Nathan Oates. Some of these are so underhyped. I forgot that you read them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Next up, I know, is one we both read. And it was on both of our lists, but I scooped it. It's Rootless (laughs) by Crystal Zara Appiah. Mm -hmm. This one only has 2,976 reviews on Goodreads. I was floored. I couldn't believe it when I saw that because this almost didn't make my list because I thought, oh, it's hyped. No, no, that was just you and me. I know. I think our (laughs) patrons possibly hyping it to each other. This is a debut novel about a marriage in crisis that asks the question, can you ever be rooted in a home that's on the brink of collapse? This is my favorite type of fiction. It's a complicated motherhood book. The characters make choices that made me think. The author made choices that made me think. And This book made me wonder what I might do in a similar situation. It's about Ghanaian culture. It's about expectation. And there is an ending you will not forget. I loved this book and I want more people to read it. So that's Mm -hmm. Rootless by Crystal Zara Appiah. Totally agree. I am shocked it did not, it wasn't nominated for anything on the Goodreads Choice Awards. Yeah, I don't even think it was, it made its rounds on Bookstagram. I'm, I'm truly shocked. This was one of this this book I loved and it, I can't say why it reminded me of one of my favorite books oh. of all time. I know why or yeah, what. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was just floored when I finished it. So so good. Okay. 
My second underhyped book is The Book of More Delights, Essays by Roske. <laughs> oh, you know, I have to get it. I have to get this in somewhere. This is so underhyped. This is the a chronicle of small daily wonders written over the course of a year as poet Roske continues his ongoing investigation of delight. This only has a 434 ratings on Aww. Goodreads. Ra- Come on. Roske is a well-known poet. Also, this is a really well-written, engaging, just feel-good book. And I'm really kind of shocked that it has such low ratings because I think that people like feel-good books and want more feel-good books in their lives, but I don't know if they're just missing books like this, maybe because it's they see the word essays or they think it's a book about poetry, but it's really not. It's essays, like short, very short stories. Please give this a try. And really, if just one delight a day, I think you will love it. I think if you give it a try, you will love it. It's The Book of More Delights, Essays by Ross Gay. I will tell you, every time that I notice a little delight, I think of you and I think of Ross Gay. Yesterday, we had a beautiful pink sunset and I was showing Lily about it. And I thought, this is it. These are the little things. And and he would find he would find a way to write about that that you would just be like, I wish I could put that sunset into yes. words like Ross oh, Gay just did. Yeah. That's how be like, he writes. If I kept a journal, I'd be like, there was a pink sunset. <laughs> <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. All right, my number one most underhyped book of 2023 is Adrift by Lisa Burdell. And this one has 930 ratings on Goodreads, and I am mad about it. (laughs) This is a page-turning, psychological, I don't want to say thriller, but it's a little bit of a mystery. But it's also about climate change. So the two things come together, and this is about a woman who wakes up on a boat, no idea why she got there, and there's a note left for her by somebody. And she has to work backward to figure out what the heck went on. I thought this book was fantastic. I I was so invested. It's so smart, too. Uh, The author is a former aerospace engineer. She has a master's in urban planning. It's set in British Columbia. It's very atmospheric. It's, uh, I hesitate almost to make this comp, but it's a little bit in the vein of Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey, just Mm. a little more thrillery, (laughs) a little more of a mystery. But it's about climate change. It's about, she makes climate change interesting and suspenseful because, um, by the way, that is a real thing that's happening and it's terrifying. I love when authors are able to bring in things that we should be afraid of in real life into a mystery. I just thought this book was excellent and she seems, I I can't wait for more by her. I hope she writes some more books. This book was Adrift by Lisa Brudeau. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, I forgot about that book too. So good. It's so good. Okay, good. All right. My number one underhyped book is August Blue by Deborah Levy. Again, never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tita. All right, let me refresh your memory. This one was about Elsa Anderson, and at the height of her career, she was a piano virtuoso, a former child prodigy, who at the opening of the book is in her early 30s, and she just walks off the stage in Vienna mid-performance. Up and leaves. 
she ends up traveling to Athens, Greece, where there she will begin her journey across Europe, shadowed by the elusive woman who seems to be her double. Ooh, this book. The cover is stunning. This book only has 3,561 ratings on Goodreads. I can't remember any hype anywhere for it, which is surprising considering the author is established. Um, She is a previous Booker Prize nominee, and this book is just plain brilliant. There's stunning writing. There's that mystery element where, like, is she actually being followed by her doppelganger? And if not, is this all in her mind? What the heck is happening? That is what I thought the entire time I was reading this. Um, The audio is excellent. So yeah, this is August Blue by Deborah Levy. Yeah, I'm surprised that it didn't get more hype because you're right. She had, did she win the Booker Prize? A finalist. She's a she's a book a previous Booker Prize nominee. So I yes. mean, she's established. This is not her first book. She has you know she has a significant backlist. And this was such a good summer book, which is when it was published. And I don't know why it it didn't get more hype. I really don't. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. We'll wrap things up with Mm -hmm. some titles that we think deserved the hype. Number one. Okay. It's The Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. I want to talk about it. And I'm a bit conflicted because I really loved it. I was captivated. Iron Flame is a different story, but I love anything that gets people into reading. I think this caught a lot of folks that maybe used to read, lost reading, and maybe came back to it because they were so, so curious. It got me back into fantasy a little bit. But honestly, I don't know if any book could live up to this much hype. Like, I just don't know that any book would be able to, like, handle the weight of all of that hype machine. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I don't know if you would like it, Renee. I really, really don't. And for that reason, I'm like, give it a shot. <laughs> See what you think. <laughs> That's going to be my first one that I list is that I do think it deserves the hype. I do. Okay. All right. Well, my my first deserve the hype is Holly by Stephen King. Yay! Yeah, oh, good. I, I'm oh, glad to hear this, that. Yeah, this was on the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, it's Stephen King, but it also won Best Horror Novel of the Year on Goodreads, yeah. and it was hyped on, you know, just about everywhere. So I loved it. I think it was well-deserved. So that was Holly by Stephen King. Yeah. My next one is Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. And this one, I think, has, I don't know if it's super hyped. Um, and again, I might be just in my own bubble. I know it was <laughs> on the best mystery and thriller for Goodreads. That was my pick. I love this book. I think people, if you've not, if you've read the author before and you're not sure if she's for you, give this a shot because it's a departure. It's by far and away her best. It's more of a literary serial killer story. And I I thought it was excellent. That one was Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. Okay. This might be on your list, Tina. I think you'd probably agree, maybe, that Spare by Prince Harry deserved the hype. I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah it was and explosive. I, and I, yeah, I say it does. I mean, it was hyped pre-publication. I think it deserved the hype. Not that I love the five-star, love the book, but I do think it deserved the hype. I think it it was as good as maybe most people were hoping it would be. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that one was on my list. Yeah, I liked Spare by Prince Harry. I thought it was good, and it was very interesting. It went ways that I didn't need to go, but I was still Mm -hmm. very, very enchanted by the reading experience. 
My next one's a memoir too. It is The Woman in Me by Britney Spears. Oh, yeah. I think it's worth the hype. I do think folks should read it. I'm just going to assume it's in her own words. I'm going to assume she had a hand (laughs) in writing it. I'm going to just take everything at face value. You really, really get insight into the last 15 years of her life. It's sad. It's narrated by Oscar winner Michelle Williams. She's fantastic. I don't mind that Britney didn't narrate it because she's obviously got a lot of trauma and I don't need her to relive that. I I think this book is worth the hype. That is Britney Spears' memoir, The Woman in Me. Okay. Another deserve the hype for me was The House of Eve by Sadiqa Johnson. This was hyped by being a Reese Witherspoon pick. Um, It was also a Goodreads nominee for Best Historical Fiction, and it was on the New York Times bestseller list, and I I think it was well-deserved. So that was The House of Eve by Sadiqa Johnson. That's one I want to read for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm, Yes, definitely want to get to that one. Another book I think deserves the hype is Go as a River by Shelley Reed. I heard a lot of people talking about this, I think, when it first was published. And this is historical fiction about a woman who's forced to make an impossible choice. I read this very recently, and it was historical fiction, but not at all slow. I was hooked. Couldn't wait to see how it ended. And highly recommend Go as a River, Shelley Reed. Okay. My next deserve the hype is The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff. Yes. Oh. And I mean, this was my first read by Lauren Graff, and I loved it. It was on the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, there was pre-publication buzz because she is such a beloved author. So I think it deserved it. It's The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Graff. Good reminder. Let me place a hold on this book. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's short, too. It's only seven hours on audio. and The yeah. audio is one of my absolute favorite audios of the whole year. January Lavoie, just oh yeah, brilliant. You've yeah, got, you've got to get the audio, Tina. All right, done and done. Finally, I'll wrap things up with Happy Place by Emily Henry. I really enjoyed this book. I think some people were let down by it, but it completely worked for me. I liked the college friendship story. I liked the sort of pseudo breakup fake dating element. I just thought it was a lot of fun. And it made me fall in love with Emily Henry again. So I'm excited to see what she's coming out with next year. That's Happy Place by Emily Henry. Okay. I think my last pick, which I thought you might mention, I'm pretty sure it was very hype. Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. Yes, that is on my list, but I left it off because I have a lot to say about it in our yearly wrap-up. Okay. Well, I know that it was an Oprah pick, but even taking that out of the equation, I think it was very hyped. I think people were anticipating Mm -hmm. this book, and I do think it lived up to the hype. I think, um, yeah, I think it was as good as people were hoping it would be. I really loved it. So that one was Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. Completely agree. That book (laughs) has my heart. Oh, that's fun. All right, we're going to wrap things up differently. We are going to bring a book that we think is going to be very hyped up in 2024. (sighs) Okay, Renee, go first, please. Okay. (laughs) Now, I think this is going to be hyped. Okay. Am I going to read it? Unclear. I Unclear. Unclear. Undecided. All right. It is End of Story by A.J. Finn. Oh. I think it's, it's going to be hyped. I'm not I'm, touching that with a 10-foot pole. No, thank <laughs> you. I'm not doing it. I'm not taking this on. You can. Well, it's going to be hyped, though. It's already yes. getting yes. some pre-publication hype. This one comes out February 20th. It is about Nikki Hunter 
Nikki Hunter, who has corresponded with a reclusive mystery writer, Sebastian Trapp, for years, but is shocked when he invites her to his mansion to help him write his life story. And why is she shocked? Because 20 years earlier, on New Year's Eve, Sebastian's first wife and son disappeared from different locations. Did Sebastian commit the perfect crime? Why is he willing to talk about it now, if so? All right, that was End of Story by A.J. Finn. I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be big. It's going to be, it's, Mm -hmm. yes, it's going to be. But you know what? Mm -hmm. We've heard that story before. I mean, we've heard that premise before. Yes. The premise. That is Mm -hmm. not original. No, I don't think so. Okay, and he is the author, if everyone has forgotten, he's the author of The Woman in in the the Window. window. Mm -hmm. Yeah, The Woman in the Window, which, go ahead and Google that. Yeah, if you're interested. All right. (laughs) My book that I think is going to get a lot of hype, I actually, I hope it gets a lot of hype. It's Wandering Stars by Tommy Orange. And he is the author of There, There. That book I really, really liked. It came out in 2018. So he hasn't had a book since then. And this is a book that looks into the past and traces the legacies of the Sand Creek Massacre of 1864 and the Carlisle Indian Industrial School through three generations of a family. And it's a family story that spans generations set in Colorado initially in 1864. I hope this one gets the buzz that I think it will. I think There There was very, very popular. And I'm hoping that people give this one a shot. I know I'm going to read it. I got an arc for it. So that is my pick for a book we'll see all over. And I hope this gets more buzz than yours. But I I do think yours will be more popular. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. Don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content and community, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. That might be my favorite episode we've recorded.